Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ. I'm your host, Will Hunsaker, and in today's episode, we're going to close out chapter 4 of Ephesians with verses 25 through 32. Now, together, we, we're going to look at, at living out the reality of our union with Christ. And this is a promised covenant union, by the way promise from God, as living testimonies to the grace he has poured out upon us, living testimonies to it. Let's go right to the text from the Apostle Paul. He says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbor the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for angry gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouraged to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. That is a heavy load, isn't it? So let's touch on the main point here that Paul is making. He is essentially saying, through the blood of Christ, we are made holy before God. Now, all the scripture, the grand narrative of that says, Nothing else can achieve that. So Paul's saying, through the blood of Christ, you have been made holy before God. That's what Ephesians is all about, grace. God uh, God is pouring grace upon those he has chosen to come to his son. Nothing else can achieve that other than God's grace. So So we need to maintain that perspective as we read through this. As Christians, we are all united. In that relationship. And I said before, it is a covenant relationship. Covenant means promise. We see that flow throughout the scripture in many different ways. God's communicating his plan to his people all throughout the Bible through covenants. Now, if we jump back a little bit, we see in verses 22 through 24 of our last episode that we are reminded to live in our new selves which was given to us by the grace of God. We didn't earn it. We didn't uh, create it. He gave it to us. He gave us a new self. So our focus then should not be on obtaining grace, but rather on living out the grace that has already been bestowed upon us. So let us heed Paul's warning here. That grace that has been given to you Use that wisely. So the teaching here is for Christians to speak, think, and act 
as ones who have received grace and forgiveness. Not earned it, but have received it. So Paul begins here in uh, verse 25. He says, speak as someone renewed, essentially. Not, Not for yourself, but for others. He says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. He's talking about all Christians here. That's who he's addressing in this letter. And he's talking about grace. You've been given this grace, so stop telling lies. Tell tell your brothers and sisters the truth about things. That's verse 25. Then he goes on and says, basically, think about someone. Or think as someone that's renewed. He says, and don't sin by letting your anger control you. Think about what you're doing. Don't let the sun Go down while you are still angry. Don't hold on to it. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's 26 and 27. Now, this imperative, anytime we're told to do something is an imperative. It's a command. This imperative from Paul does not mean you cannot or should not ever be angry. That would be a ridiculous statement. Humans do get angry about things. Sometimes, We should get angry about things, and and there are plenty of things Christians should get angry about. But the point here is all about how you express the anger. Don't do evil things with it. It is not the anger itself that Paul seems to be concerned with here, but how you act on it. Another good example there is is from the Psalms, uh, Psalms 4, verse 4. So when you bottle up your anger for too long. And we all know this. It festers, right? And then it really becomes a a problem. So if you bottle it up for too long, it can often blow up uncontrollably. And Paul emphasizes that this is important to control your anger before the days end, or else you might give the devil a chance to mess with your head a little bit. So even if you are justifiably angry about something, and there's plenty of things you could be, you don't want to give evil away in by holding on to it for too long. So that's how we think, right? He's talked about how we speak, how we think. And now he says, act also as a renewed person. He says this in verse 28. He said, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Pretty common sense. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. They must have had a a serious problem with this uh, when he wrote this to uh, Ephesus that He had to say, hey, stop stealing. We have that problem today as well. He says to counter the urge of stealing by doing something useful and productive. And you can plug this into other things that we do that are evil. Then he says, instead of being takers of things, we can be givers if we do things that are productive. He's just saying, live in a renewed person. This is the whole idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, right? Christ compressed the Old Testament commandments to the Pharisees when they asked him which one was greater than another. He said, well, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, body, strength, soul, and love your neighbor as you would yourself. That's the commandment. He basically compressed them all. Well, that's that second half that he's talking about here. And all in this whole section of Ephesians about loving your neighbor. So then Paul emphasizes, so he's talked about speaking as a renewed person. He's talked about thinking as a renewed person, acting as a renewed person. Now he's going to combine these a little bit. He's going to say, don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Again, talking about loving your neighbor. So as Christians, 
it's our responsibility to speak as witnesses to the grace of God. Jesus said that in Matthew 28. This is basically the Great Commission. Hey, go out and be witnesses for me. Go out and tell the world about, about me. We're not to do this for merit. We've already been given grace. We've already been found righteous, guaranteed salvation. So we're not doing it for merit because we'll fail it at that if we do it for merit. Somewhere we'll mess up. But we're to speak as someone renewed out of gratitude for what God has done for us already. We're not going out and telling people about how great we are or what has happened in our life. We're going out and telling people about what Christ has done. Now, this verse here, 29, about foul and abusive language, is often associated with profanity, and rightfully so, due to the fact that the Greek word, rather, used to describe foul and abusive language, literally means putrid. So it's easy to plug that into profanity, and it's not inappropriate to do that. I just want to say here, we should not assume that Paul is saying that every piece of profanity that comes out of your mouth is uh, constantly offending God, because you can have cultural distinctions in there. What one culture deems as profane, another may not. So instead, what Paul seems to be getting at here is that how our words, whether they're good or bad, affect others around us. So then he's going to combine this even further and say, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So now he's he's bringing it all together. How you how you speak, how you think, how you act, how you combine those things. It all goes into how you live as a renewed person. So don't grieve the Spirit because He gave you these things out of His grace. Try to live as a renewed person. Remember, He says. He's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Very critical point here. That's verse 30. Very critical point into us doing things and not doing things that are good or bad. He says, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now, this reminds Christians that God is in us 100%. It's not a a partial 50-50 thing. He's not just testing the water. He died while you were still a sinner, reminding us of this covenant relationship. Christians are definitively, one time for all time, in a covenant promised union with God through Jesus Christ. Now, because of this union, God feels everything we do against him and his people. The the relationship we have is that close, right? Christ died. We were resurrected with him or, or, or crucified and resurrected with him in baptism. These types of, of uh, collective, this, this union that we have with Christ is extremely critical here. So Paul emphasizes that this personal union with Christ says, do not bring sorrow to the spirit. He further reminds us that when we do bring sorrow to the Spirit, and we will, by the way, we are still guaranteed salvation because He has made us His own through what Christ has done. Very important distinction. So it's not about what we do. It's about what He has done. But that doesn't mean we don't do things. 
results that are good. Christians are doers. You've heard me say that. But we do things out of gratitude, not for merit. So then then Paul's going to list a few antagonisms here because he talked about grieving the spirit, right? And he's going to tell you, well, this is how that's done. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. That's verse 31. Now, Paul seems to be emphasizing malicious behavior here because we're all going to still do some of those things. I can't sit here and tell you we're not. We will. What he's emphasizing here is, is what's behind it, what your intentions are when you act a certain way. Now, he concludes here in verse 32 by giving examples of how God forgives Christians through Jesus by being kind and compassionate, qualities he took to the cross. He took all that bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, that stuff we do. He took that to the cross, but not his own. It was stuff that we did. What he took to the cross on his own was kindness and compassion. And he says that. Paul writes, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Verse 32. Now, please bear in mind here, folks, that these verses Paul has given is a list of imperatives, essentially. Do these things, don't do these things. All imperatives are commands from God, whether they're Relayed through Paul, whether they were relayed through Moses back during the Decalogue period, whether they come from Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, or anyone else in the scripture, they're always commands from God. And God's commands are law. Law is not just the Ten Commandments. There were 612 laws, specifically in the Mosaic Covenant, and then many after that. So all commands from God are essentially law because spirit, the Holy Spirit right? Brought scripture to us. So all laws must be obeyed perfectly to be justified before him. That's a difficult thing for people to understand, but it's said so in scripture. You've got it many times in the Old Testament, but I'll give you one from the New, James 2.10. He basically says, you disobey one law, you disobey them all. And he wasn't talking about just the Ten Commandments. Those are a summary statement of all of the laws and God's character. So it's a good place to start. So to maintain a correct perspective here about verses like these, where we look at them and go, man, this is a heavy load. You know, I do all those things that are bad and I don't do any of those things that are good or I'm, or I'm not very well ratioed out there. So to maintain our correct perspective here about commands, we have to remember that they always accuse Christians of not keeping them. So anytime you see something, hey, you must be uh, compassionate and kind. Yeah, that's a great thing. And we, we strive for those kind of things because of all the grace that's been poured about, out upon us, but we fail at doing it perfectly. Everyone will agree. And you can just look at anything that is good that we're commanded to do and anything that is bad that we're commanded not to do. We fail at those things somewhere along the line, pretty much every day. So commands are good in every way because they come from God but we cannot keep them perfectly in our fallen state. We need to always remember that. So what happens with then? What the laws do is they constantly drive us to Christ. Don't ever throw away laws. They're extremely important. 
when when Paul says we're not under the law, but under grace, that is extremely important point. We're not under law because we cannot keep them perfectly. But the law is still a guide to us, driving us back to Christ, reminding us we can't do those things perfectly. But someone lives within us who can. And he has guaranteed our salvation, not by what we do, but because of what he has done. So those laws continually drive us to him, giving us a guide to live out the reality of what he has done, live out the reality of our union with Christ. Christian, do not beat yourself up with failures trying to be a good Christian. Yes, try to be a good Christian, but when you fail, and you will, don't beat yourself up. Remember who your union is with. Rest in him. Christ tells us that. He tells us to come and rest in him. He is the Sabbath rest. Rest in him, folks, because that's why he did what he did, because we could not do it. So the next time you're anxious about your spiritual growth, because you still get angry, Use profanity, do things you should not do and and not do things you should. Remember, it is Christ in you that makes you just before God. We do good things as Christians, not because we have to, but because we want to. We worship a crucified Lord that was crucified for us. We don't worship for our own glory. From Paul, we'll close with this, to the churches in Rome. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for listening. Grace and peace to you all. Next up on Open Your Bibles, we will begin Ephesians chapter 5 as Paul discusses living out the reality of our union with Christ as a reflection of God. God bless you all. And remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it did back then.